0: I'm so glad you're here. If you're listening to this, you or someone you love has probably felt the pain of starting over after a relapse with pornography. You've tried willpower, porn blockers, working with church leaders, and nothing seems to stick. If that's you, Relay is a great way to recover differently. Relay was created by my friend Chandler Rogers who struggled with porn habits himself. It was built to make recovery easier. It brings you the support group and tools that you need right on your phone. It's anonymous, at your own pace, and way less expensive than group therapy. I love their app. I love what they've created. Use the link in our show notes to try Relay for free and see how it helps you recover with the support you need. You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we are breaking the shame, silence and fear that often surrounds sexuality, unwanted pornography use, and betrayal trauma, and helping you embrace your God-given sexuality with courage, compassion, and connection. I'm your host, Chriselle Simons. Welcome back to Breaking the Silence. Today, we are Breaking the Silence with Bonnie Young. Oh, I'm so stoked you're back with us, Bonnie. It's been a minute. If you listened to her episode with us, Like way back. And if you haven't, you should definitely go check it out. It's really great. And now she's back for round two, and she has so much goodness and wisdom and light to share with us. And today we're going to be talking about the sex education you'd wish you'd received, or maybe the things that you loved about your sex education that went well, but also maybe the things that didn't go so great that you want to shift and maybe have be different moving forward. And so without further ado, Bonnie, will you just take a second to introduce yourselves? Oh my gosh. Will you just take a second to introduce Uh, yourself?
1: (laughs) I will introduce all of myself. I have actually worn many hats in my life, so that's a great way to start this introduction. So, well, first off, Michelle, I'm just so excited to be here and thank you for inviting me on the podcast. It's a treat to to be a visitor on the podcast, but also just to be connected with you. So lucky listeners to have you as the host of this podcast. So yes, I am Bonnie. Chriselle and I actually met originally at BYU when we were involved with, it wasn't called Reach 10 back then.
0: I don't even know what we called it, but it was what this organization originated with. I think it was at a dating discussion. Like we were talking about how, to talk about pornography and dating.
1: And yes, I think there was a guy.
0: Was it you and Sam leading that discussion? No. no um, it was it you and Alex. Alex. Yeah. Yes. Has he been on your podcast? Yeah. He's so great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Alex. Yeah.
1: So yeah. But Sam, Sam is my husband. Who yeah. I'm and and I went with. to
0: high school with Sam. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really fun connection.
1: Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Sam attended some of those conversations, right? So there was this guide that, Vonna Davis and you and other people were involved in writing. I don't remember if I was involved in writing it or not. College is a details. <laughs> but it was this really cool guide. I don't do you, does Reach
0: Ten still like publish yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Cool. it's on our website and it's a great resource. It's how to talk about pornography and dating.
1: Yeah, highly, highly recommend. Really blessed my dating career. You know, and so yeah, we like held these discussions, little fireside esque things that weren't necessarily affiliated with the church, but very much were aimed towards you know people who cared about living their standards and also included the reality that pornography is just a part of so many of our lives and how to address that in dating. So that's where Christelle and I first met. So, and I would also say like that's where um, my interest in sexuality and sexuality research began. And let's see. Okay. So now I am a marriage and family therapist and I work primarily with sexual concerns. And I work a lot also with OCD, especially religious OCD, also called scrupulosity. So Mm -hmm. really love working as a therapist, love working with my clients. It's just like a joy and a privilege to work with them and to learn from them and with them. I'm a mom. I have two kids and another one on the way. Yay! So we are running on a pregnant brain as we're recording this. So listeners, please forgive my <laughs> my glitches. And uh, I am so. In addition to being a therapist, me and my husband Sam, who I now you know who I'm talking about, Sam, own a clinic called Azure Counseling that's mainly aimed at like religious individuals some amazing clinicians there. I'm currently going to Utah State for my PhD. And I'm also doing my PhD in marriage and family therapy. So anything else about me? I really like sleeping right now. (laughs) Um, And my husband's a really good cook. And I'm really good at cleaning. I actually really love cleaning. So in another life. I would have a cleaning company. Like, I think that's what I would <laughs> do. So there's my intro. That's oh, and fantastic. I also wrote a book.
0: Oh, yeah. yes. And her book is so great. It's called Sex Educated, actually. And we will link that in the show notes. And cool. so, listener, if you're interested, please check it out. It's so, so good. And maybe just tell us a little bit about your book, because yeah. it's, a, it's a treat.
1: Yeah, so, the, so it's called Sex Educated. And then the subtitle is called Letters... From a Latter-day Saint Therapist to her younger self. So this book actually started out as a project that Sam, husband, and I did started together when we were first married. We just felt like, man, we we had we both felt so ready to start our sexual relationship. <laughs> not not just we were excited, but like we had talked You know, we'd been in forums like like the one we were in with you, Griselle, and talking about healthy sexuality. We we had read a lot, we had learned a lot, we had taken classes, and we felt, you know, really prepared in, in as much as we could be. And still, just felt like, oh man, we wish we wish we could tell our younger selves X, Y, Z. So that's what the book started out as, and then as it progressed, it turned a little bit more into my project, and basically, you know, extending to myself, my younger self, these lessons that I wish I would have learned, you know, simultaneously while I was writing it, I was working in a sex therapy clinic and in other clinics, working a lot with clients with sexual concerns and just feeling so much love and compassion. So yeah, the book is an offering to anyone who feels, you know, men or women who feels like they have some healing to, to, to be had in their, in their sexual lives.
0: Oh, and it is so relatable and beautiful. And I I remember one part where I was reading, and I think it was to it was your second or third letter as you were just talking about the changes happening in your body. And I was like, oh man. you me really <laughs> needed that. <laughs> yes. And, and and not just that letter. There's so many, just so many gems from your book that I just love. So I definitely recommend. Your book to everyone that I talk to. Oh, thank you. But also to you, listener, like please check it out. It is so so good, so good. And and with that, I I want to start just kind of talking about sex education. Yeah. Where do you feel like our sex education maybe went well? Because sometimes I think we just come at it at like a and our sex education was the worst,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: which we're going to get into. But I, I want to talk about maybe some things that did go well initially. Yeah. And I
1: love that, Rochelle, I, I think it's really important to have balance. I think if we're only talking, I was actually chatting with a friend earlier about this, like if we're only coming at things, like, like, there, there's definitely space for feedback, for improvement, for criticism what um, that's what helps us improve individually as organizations. But it's also important to balance that with what is the good that's there? I think that helps us develop gratitude. It helps us develop new humility, you know, all these things that I think help us become who we want to be. So I love that we get to start out with that. Okay. And I, I have it, so many thoughts. Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, and I think it can give space for the gratitude, but also like, wow, I am doing better than I thought because... Yeah. Of the good that did show up in my life, you know that maybe if you don't take a pause to notice that, you'll overlook and and not even realize what has gone well. Absolutely,
1: yeah. So, okay, I have a few different points, and if I get too off (laughs) off script, or like bring me back, Rochelle, bring me in. But so I, so first off, I you know. Whether or not we were aware of this, and I think many people might say, "Oh, I had no idea," or this wasn't even part of my my paradigm as I was growing up. But as members of the LDS Church, we have an extremely sex positive doctrine. Now, what we did with that doctrine varies, but you know, in in the realm of of Christianity, I would say we're kind of. We've got some some unique, maybe countercultural teachings, right? Like we look at the fall of, of Eve and Adam, I'm going to say Eve first to mix oh. it up, as something that's really positive,
0: yeah.
1: right? We view them becoming mortal as a necessary step in becoming like our heavenly parents yeah. and everything that came with that, right? Like our bodies are a gift. They're not a curse, yeah. right? Leaving the garden was not this punishment. It was a necessary step. And so, you know, we've got this really positive doctrine of our bodies, the the essentiality of our bodies, the the eternal nature of our bodies. We're going to be resurrected in our imperfected bodies. Bodies aren't just this thing that we have to deal with during mortality and then, you know, see you later. This is something that God intends us to fully embrace and enjoy and take advantage of in this life. So number one, our bodies are great and everything that comes with our bodies, including our sexuality, right? Wow. This like God-given sexual response that we have. Another thing, and I'm going to read a quote that is included in my book by one of the earlier apostles, Harley P. Pratt. I think a lot of us have probably heard that name before. But in this quote, he talks about how, and he said, this is back in the day, I forget what year, probably mid to late 1800s. But he's talking about how maybe in the Christian world that there's this idea that like our sexual nature is a sign of our fallenness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that our that, that that it's corrupt somehow, that being sexual is somehow tied to being evil or worldly. And yeah. and he says, No, absolutely not, in fact. This is something he says, so far from this being the case, our natural affections or our sexuality are planted in us by the Spirit of God for a wise purpose. They are the very mainsprings of life and happiness. And he calls our sexuality or our sexual natures the cement of all virtuous and heavenly society. Wow. So I mean that's that's pretty excellent. Yeah, but, that's
0: really amazing. Especially yeah. thinking that that's what he was saying clear back then, right? Yeah, but, and it wasn't even that he was like, "It's for procreation and only for procreation," right? But that it was yeah. like, "No, it's the cement of all that is good." Like the cement. The, I, I loved that quote, and I'm so glad you included. Yeah. It. I remember being like, "What? Barley Preacher Pat said that? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Where has this been all my life?" No, I, I just, I think that that is so cool. And also I, I think, I think I'm so glad you brought this up about just the root of, of the gospel of, of the church, our doctrine, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints doctrine is so sex positive and body positive and more, and, and that was not something I really understood until I spent time understanding other religions and realized, oh, wow, this could have been a lot harder view. Yeah. And it would have been a lot harder view for me. Yeah. So I'm so glad you brought those things up. Go ahead, yeah. keep going. Tell us more. Of course.
1: <laughs> so I mean, we, we could probably talk about that at length. I'll go to another thing that I think was, you know, generally very positive for most, you know, maybe I'm making broad general generalizations here, and I know that this doesn't encapsulate everyone's experience. But yeah. I think The limits that the law of chastity, at least as I understood it, created a lot of safety and a lot of respect. So uh, I just I can't tell you how many times I've sat across from clients who have you know been a part or partaken in the hookup culture, which is so rampant. I would say is very maybe a little bit more normative than maybe you know living the standards as outlined by the church. And but I I believe that hookup. Culture is foundationally anti feminist. Normally, it is men, men don't benefit in the long term from hookup culture, but it is normally the women, the girls that I've sat across from in therapy that have just wept as they've talked about feeling used and disrespected and just this deep, this deep need to feel loved and accepted by someone and trying to get that through sexuality but going, going about it in a way where there was no relational foundation to build upon in the first place. Kind of, I guess, taking things out of order. And I just think that has set up so many people for heartbreak. And yeah. it's a really, really bad way, bad, I don't wanna, I would say it's a very counterproductive method yeah. <laughs> to go about building a long-lasting, respectful, mutually mutually respectful relationship, and 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 the reason why is not because sex is bad or it's bad to have sex. It's because sex is meant to be relational. Yeah. It's meant to exist between committed partners, and you know maybe we could look to our religious teachings to support that. I can also look at neuroscience, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at the hormones that are released during a sexual experience. And there are two main hormones that are released during sex. We've got dopamine, mm-hmm. which is, you know, related with kind of short-term rewards. We get dopamine when we do things that are fun and feel good. So, right, right this, is, this is maybe like the more motivating um, <laughs> neurotransmitter that's being fired. But also another hormone that's released during sex is oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And oxytocin is also known as the cuddle hormone. But that's the same hormone that's released during labor and like childbirth for women during breastfeeding and also during sex it's meant to create strong bonds between people yeah like a mother to a baby and and between romantic partners and what that tells me is sex isn't meant
0: to so just right? be the like dopamine pleasure thing exactly yeah but really deep connecting like rich Yeah, I love that you're going there with the dopamine and the oxytocin. Yeah,
1: like it's meant to bond us. And I like to talk about sex a lot, not just as, you know, this physical experience, but as this soulful union where we're bringing our whole selves, we're bringing our body and our souls, and we are sharing and celebrating this, creating with another person. And to me, like, yeah, the neuroscience kind of backs that up. This isn't meant to be just... So I think... The the laws and the limitations around sexual behavior that we learn, you know, growing up in the church or in most conservative uh, religions um, really are protective and help to build a foundation where that soulful union can take place.
0: Yeah. And beautifully said. And I I also love that you acknowledged that maybe that's not everyone's experience with Mm -hmm understanding the law of chastity or, and 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 that's what I hope this podcast this episode can do for you is maybe shift some of those things mm-hmm. or maybe help you realize wow I could view that or I could have you know and heal those parts of you that wanted to see that different and 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 have a different experience with that it's not too late it's not too late how to have a different experience and to rewrite it and to you know find some healing and hope and, and, and to have this rich, beautiful, soulful experience that you're talking about when it comes to your sexuality and, and the deep bond that, that God really intended it to be. And yeah. I, I just think that whenever I pause, which isn't super often, I wish it was more, often, <laughs> and, and just ponder about just our sexuality and the plan and like us being here. I just am like in such amazement of our God and, and our heavenly parents who love us so much and then provided this beautiful experience for us to experience like their power and their connection. Oh, it's such a rich way in our relationships. Yeah. And but also provided an incredible framework to keep that safe and protected and done in the right way when understood. And that's what the law of chastity really is. Is this, it's this order that will help you build the most rich and beautiful relationship in life. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I think younger me just totally thought it was like the rules that I had to follow Mm -hmm. in order to be a good girl. Right. Right. Yeah. But now I understand like it is so much more than that. And, and I hope, you know, I hope I have two daughters and hopefully, you know, maybe one day more kids. And so maybe sons in the future. I don't know. But I hope that I can teach my children that it's more than just like a set of rules that they need to follow or, oh, I shouldn't kiss like that because my mom said I shouldn't kiss that like that way or whatever. But as a, I, I hope that I can help them see that the law of chastity and their sexuality are blessings from God to help them do things in a way that really build that richness and that soulful connection that they yearn for, that that every single one of us yearns for. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: and I think also as I've grown, like the law of chastity has shifted for me From like a list of like do's and don'ts to, you know, a bigger picture of how can I live a congruent life, right? Because law of chastity isn't just about don't do these things until you get married. And then once you're married, law of chastity ends and it does not end on your wedding night, right? The law of chastity helps us live with, with integrity around how do we, how do we respect other people? How do we view other people? Are we using other people? Are we using our sexuality selfishly, or are we using it to create and to connect? Mm-hmm. And and that is just as relevant when you're 16 as when you're you know 56 and and you've been married for a while maybe and and I think it and it it's with with that congruence with that integrity where um, I think our sexuality our eroticism can truly flourish in the most whole way mm-hmm. and not, not fragmented ways that yes. truly aren't as satisfying in, in, in the long run in the
0: long run beautifully said okay so i love all the things we've talked about that have gone yeah. well for us yes. and <laughs> <laughs> there are probably a lot of things maybe maybe not maybe only a couple of things maybe let's talk about some of the things that we wish had gone better. Yeah. And again, these are broad generalizations. Like maybe this happened for you. Maybe it didn't. Yeah. Yep. Let's go there. Let's go there. (laughs) Okay. So the, the first, you
1: know, as I was preparing to chat with you tonight, the first thing that came to mind actually goes back to a comment that you made about like, man, I wish I had you know read this chapter when I was, when my body was developing. And I think, you know, I don't think that how you and I were probably taught about our bodies was truly rooted in any sort of doctrine, but maybe a little bit more had like some cultural influence, just the, the emphasis that especially women receive on, you know, developing, I don't know how to put this intelligently, but maybe I'll just kind of use the words I would have used when I was 14, (laughs) like Bonnie, there's something a little bit dangerous about you becoming a woman. And you got to watch out because you could create problems in other people because of your developing body. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is every woman's experience, but I know it is the experience of at least a few people, including myself. And that is like, there's this fear, like, ooh, like I don't, I don't want my body to become something that could be a an impetus for sin or a vehicle for
0: like or evil, temptation you know, for else or temptation
1: for, yeah <laughs> or like you know so i was talking to a friend the other day and she talked about it's actually another friend who has an awesome podcast and she talked about so she got her period when she was really really young i think she was like 9 or 10 so a little bit yeah. earlier for girls mm-hmm. girls normally get it around 12 or 13 and actually you know studies are showing that you know, starting a little bit earlier for a lot of women, but at least when we were growing up, it was around them. And, but, you know, you would think that, oh man, starting your period nine, you're still in elementary school. There could be a lot of shame and embarrassment, but she remembers her mom being so excited. Oh, and she remembers, her
0: mom? I know,
1: <laughs> and her, I forget if she was in fourth or fifth grade when you're nine, probably fourth. And she remembers her teacher coming over to her and inviting her up to her desk and and kind of showing her, you know, privately, this wasn't in front of other people. Like she pulled out a drawer in her desk that had some period products. And she's like, congratulations, welcome to the club. If you ever need anything, this is a special drawer just for you. Oh my and my gosh, friend God, remembers feeling, <laughs> I know, my friend just remembers feeling so special. Like, wow, like this is a really exciting thing, which I think a lot of girls when they get their period, it's maybe it's the opposite experience. It's like, oh, the burden has arrived, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I know that was you know, I had so much shame around my period and starting my period, and you know was so embarrassed. heaven forbid every anyone know that you know.
0: Oh, right. Becoming totally. a woman. Like even other <laughs> girls, right? I <laughs> oh my God. I still related to that part in your book and I'll just reference it and give enough context. But the part in your book where you're like, you don't even want to open the pad in the bathroom because <laughs> heaven forbid someone else know that you're on your period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that is so real. And I'm sure that that wasn't just a girl experience. I'm sure there were changes happening for like men that were hard and uncomfortable or Made fun of, or yeah, that just let's shift that. Let's do it different. Exactly,
1: like like treating that with like respect and with excitement, and like you know how how can we be like that elementary school teacher? How can we be like my friend's mom? You know when we're when we're relating to these young people and talking about the goodness of like you know this is awesome. This marks such an exciting transition and you know, so excited for you and welcome to the club. And, you know, so I think that that's something that is room for improvement. I think another, another story that came to my mind as I was thinking about this, you know, about, you know, kind of the, the burden I felt of like becoming a woman or the fear I felt around being objectified with my body. Um, I thought about experiences that I had, have had throughout my life when my body wasn't automatically sexualized. And that was like so empowering for me. So for a little bit of context, uh, my husband and I, after our first daughter was born, we moved to Spain and we were there for a couple of years and, you know, living abroad sounds really like, I don't know, exciting. It was actually really lonely. (laughs) <laughs> but, but there were some you know, beautiful things that we learned from the Spanish people and from the people that we were surrounded by there. One of the things that I really loved was how open women and men were about breastfeeding. And yeah. I mean, not that men were breastfeeding, but. You know, sometimes I've been in circles where it's like a woman is breastfeeding and she's asked to go to a different room, or like the men begin acting very uncomfortable as if she's doing something wrong because breastfeeding is somehow sexual. I think that's very much a cultural thing, and I don't expect you know that that would would change overnight in in our culture. But but breastfeeding isn't sexual. There's nothing less sexual <laughs> than. <laughs> <laughs> <He made that. laughs> okay. And But it was very, very freeing for me to be able to use my body in a way that God intended me to use my body without it being automatically sexualized and objectified. Yeah. And I felt so it was interesting. I felt so safe. Oh, wow. I felt so safe breastfeeding there, you know, not having to cover up because no one treated me like I was doing something that was inappropriate and because it's not inappropriate. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> but what they're built for. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean breasts have many have many purposes and use yes. you know the original you know multi-tool. but <laughs> but, but I guess the flexibility there, right mm. is something that I think is really healthy to have that flexibility around a woman's body that at any time a woman's body is uncovered, that it's not automatically objectified and that she's not immediately blamed right women women receive so much blame for their bodies and and men and women are taught to blame women and so i think that's i think that's a place where there's room for improvement
0: yeah definitely yeah. i very much yeah. agree with that I like that. And so we talked a little bit about the law of chastity and how it is a beautiful framework. I think sometimes it's taught in a way that that doesn't come across that way. It comes Mm. across as like, this is what you have to do. And this is what you need to not do. And like very rigid and very shaming. And also like somehow not very clear also. (laughs) (laughs) So can we talk a little bit about how can we help that go better?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if this is going to exactly answer your question, but here's some related. This is where my pregnant brain is going in response to your mm-hmm. question. And that is, right, when when we're talking about don't do this, the do this, we're kind of talking about sex as like, okay, let me, let me back up. For most people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be like really frank and maybe clear in how I talk about this. <laughs> it's
0: a good thing, you know? So if we there, need there more are things, young listeners, more cl- maybe... Clarity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
1: maybe if there are young listeners, maybe like turned on the volume or something. But I think a lot of times when we're talking about the law of chastity, what people are understanding is don't have intercourse. Yeah. And for most people, when they hear the word sex, they think intercourse. hmm And so when people are asking what's okay in the law of chastity, sometimes what they're asking is what is okay to do up to penetration? Yeah. And I think that that rigidity just produces all sorts of problems. (laughs) And I think,
0: you know. And probably misses the mark too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: like not only does it create problems, but it's also like that's not totally the point. Mm Mm-hmm. At least, at least that's been my experience. Is I was like, oh wow, yeah. this is about way more than just like what I do with my boyfriend or not. Yes. Anyway, go ahead where you're going. Yeah, but derail. No, your you're fine. Hey, <laughs> and if you derail, we'll go there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but I, you know, I think one one thing that gets us so like with the clients that I've worked with with you know, different forms of sexual dysfunction, whether that's erectile dysfunction, or an inability to orgasm, or a lot of difficulty with arousal, a lot of it can kind of be tied back to very rigid understandings of what counts as sex, and very Mm. rigid understandings of what counts as a good sexual experience. Mm. Let me give you an example. So this is a long time ago, and this was a client who came in. He only came in for one session. <laughs> he only needed one session, And I want to emphasize that because, like, you know, sometimes we just need information, and we just need to know that we're normal. Mm-hmm. But he was newly married, and and I think according to mm-hmm. the world he grew up in, good sex meant that he had an erection the entire sexual encounter, and then there was penetration, and then everyone was happy. And <laughs> <laughs> and they lived happily ever after, but that wasn't his experience. And and his his erection fluctuated during the sexual encounter. And and his wife, they were newly married, probably out of her own insecurity of maybe what that meant about her, like, oh man, if my husband doesn't have an erection the whole time, maybe that means he's not attracted to me, or you know something is wrong with me. Made a comment to him. Mm-hmm. that felt maybe shameful for him or embarrassing for him, like, what's wrong with you that you don't, you know, that your body isn't performing in, in the one right way that it should be performing. Mm-hmm. Um, all, it, all he needed was to come in. I told him, dude, so normal. Most men, especially if they're focusing on their female partners during a sexual encounter, will gain and lose an erection multiple times. Don't worry about it. And then he was like, oh, really? okay, <laughs> and left and never came back, and, which was good. I mean, I like my clients yeah. to come back if they need help, but he didn't need more. And and I think that, that kind of, this kind of goes back for like, or to these really rigid rules for sex that, you know, what counts as sex. I think another unfortunate outcome of having really rigid rules around like what counts as sex and sex only being valid if like penetration is happening is a lot of women are their their experience isn't like focused on or valued as much. Yeah. Most women don't experience a lot of arousal or and, you know even orgasm only through penetration. In fact, for most women, it is grossly insufficient yeah. to only do that. And I cannot overemphasize insufficient. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing. Now, there's lots of women who really enjoy that, and, and people mm-hmm. can figure out ways that penetration can you know be really arousing and satisfying for women as well. But for most women, that's not that's not the first step, yeah. and and doesn't really lead to like right if if both partners aren't having a great experience it doesn't lead to this soulful connection where like both people are enjoying the capacities of their bodies to experience arousal and connection that you can only really experience in a state of 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 eroticism and so i think that having really rigid rules around what counts as sex really can be a disservice to men and women
0: yeah yeah, I agree. I think also, and you touched on this a little bit earlier yeah. in the podcast, but you talked about how if our sexuality is only about like pleasing ourselves, or we're only worried about our experience, or we're using our sexuality in a selfish way, or we're viewing other people in a selfish way, mm-hmm. and you said it way better than I'm. I just want to go back to that thought yeah. too. In talking about this, is that it's going to be really difficult to have a deep and meaning sexual experience if you're only worried about yourself and doing it right, Mm -hmm. as opposed to really connecting with the other person, helping the other person to feel safe and loved and, Mm -hmm. and totally just there with them. And, and there's space for you. It's this beautiful paradox that you get to experience. But I think that the law of chastity, even like stepping back into that dating, when you're dating and before you're married, the law of chastity, it's to protect you and it's, it's to help you do things in right order, but it's also to help you to focus not on yourself mm-hmm. and to focus on how can you create a safe experience for the other person and yeah. vice versa. How can you have more respect for the other person yeah. and how can you develop this mutual respect and, and. Trust That can withstand the many years ahead when you do make that choice to be married and yeah. the many struggles. And that's really what it's about is I feel like it helps lay a foundation of, of mutual respect and trust and, and working together and putting aside maybe your carnal desire to work together towards the goal of, of something bigger. Right. Like there's so many good things that come from doing those things. Right. But I don't think those, that is emphasized very often when we talk about the law of chastity, we're just like, don't mess up. And if you do <laughs> make it better, kind of thing, right. Um, yeah. As opposed to like, this is what you're working to build. Yeah. And this is why we're working to build that.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I, and I just think that Our sexuality, this has been my experience. So maybe kind of personal here, I won't be like, I I promise I (laughs) won't overshare and like make people uncomfortable. So just as a side note, right? So like, as a person who studies sexuality, I've written about sexuality. I have a lot of people (laughs) come up to me and I think they just assume like, oh, Bonnie wants to hear (laughs) everything (laughs) So I was like at a conference this last weekend and I heard some really interesting stories. And I was like, wow, you know, thanks for telling me also (laughs) that's private. (laughs) (laughs) So I promise I'm not going to do that to listeners, but, and not to shame people for sharing about sexuality. Um, It's a blessing that, that we can have open conversations about it. But I think it's also we have to find that wise space. Of, that might be too much information. Anyway, uh, like if you're making me blush, then maybe right. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like a sex service. So, but so sharing a little bit of my personal experience, like I think that sexuality has been one of the most powerful forces in me understanding God and understanding repentance understanding growth our sexuality is so you know present it's so constant you know whether that's the constant nature of having sexual desire or the lack of i think it can go both ways but i think that i think that that was designed with a purpose because i think we can use our sexuality as a catalyst to become a better version of ourselves a more humble honest embodied merciful connected version of ourselves i mean i think about the things that have driven the most growth in my marriage with sam again referencing my hot amazing husband mm-hmm. and and i think that our sexuality and figuring that out together forgiving each other growing, you know, being creative together, supporting each other, I, it all comes back to just like se- sexuality as this, as this catalyst for incredible growth. And I think people who maybe made mistakes or haven't lived congruently, I think there can be a lot of shame. They're like, Oh, I did one of the worst things that you can do. And I actually think that's a misinterpretation of scripture. We could talk about that another day, but I mean, I think God cares a lot about that. But I also think that, man, there is so much mercy and understanding for people who've made mistakes, man, and and it's impossible in this world we live in. And that's not to excuse behavior. Of course, we want to have integrity and we want to, we have values that matter to us. But I think viewing sexuality is like, okay, yeah, this, this is here and it was meant in different ways, in different avenues. This, this is something that can lead me to growth and to become better you know whatever that looks like so i think that's another way that maybe you know the the more rigid conversations around like don't do this and do this and if you don't do it that's really bad and if you do this you know like i think that maybe doesn't take into account the purpose of the plan of this life which is like we're here just to make mistakes and then to turn to Christ and to grow with him and then we fall again and then our capacity to love and have empathy and connect with other people it's like yeah as soul-wrenching as it is like it's also just this really sublime beautiful process and I think sexuality for so many of us is at the center of that
0: yeah I feel like often that like the don't do this or oh my gosh, you're like the the scared or like the fear of oh I'm worried about you. You're you you guys seem like you're going too far, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, where's Jesus in that? Yeah.
1: Like,
0: where is he? Yeah. You know, like, and and I remember I remember having a conversation with my sister where I was just like, you know, I really just want this to go different for you. I want you to have less anxiety. I had so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. So much anxiety about the law of chastity before I was married. Like, yeah. too much, honestly. <laughs> and and my wish for you is that you don't have that experience and that you know that, like, know that I trust you to figure it out. Like, you're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I trust that you know what is right and what is wrong ultimately. Like, mm-hmm. you know that. And you're going to feel that. And as you, as you follow that, it's going... Like if you will listen to that, it's going to lead you to what you really want, which is yeah. that the deep connection and the the trust and the love and that that you're really looking for. And and if you like don't listen to it, and that Christ came and He actually came for both ways. Like He He came to help you do what's right, and He also came to help you when you don't. And it's yeah. gonna totally work out. And I. I guess that conversation is just like stuck with me because I'm like, yes, that, that like, that is so true on every aspect of our life, but especially when it comes to our sexuality. Like, it, you are not without his reach ever, no matter what you've done or what you think you have, like, no matter where you're at. I think that that is just like really resonated with me because it's so, it's true that His grace and his mercy, there is so much grace and mercy and, and help from heaven, no matter where you're at on that spectrum of, of listening. Like you will know, like, you know, you know what is right. You know what is wrong. You have been given that gift from God. And as you walk that line, as you walk that path, as you walk this path, this path, it's not even that, like it doesn't end right as you walk the path of life, his mercy is there every single step of the way. Yeah, And, Mm -hmm. and I, oh man, I just think I I want everyone to listen to this. I'm like, I'm going to send this literally to everyone that ever lived. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm like, this is what we all need to know. This is what we all need is, is to know that, that your sexuality is a, gift from God and it is part of this and it, I love what you said about it being so pervasive that it's almost it's it's really hard not to understand because it's always there and and as you strive I'm saying this probably not great but as you strive to as you strive to understand your sexuality as you strive to really team up with someone else and and have beautiful a beautiful life together It is such a purifying and sanctifying experience that, that is really beautiful and meaningful. And it can also be a source of pain and hardship. And, and I want to acknowledge that, like, I have definitely been there where it has not, you know, and that's, If you haven't listened to our first episode, you can hear about my, how I got involved in this and my family of origin. And, and I've seen incredible pain from other people's choices to misuse their, misuse their sexuality and, and to, you know, not make great choices is so hard. And, but all of that can be reconciled and, and it can be healed and it's okay Like you're never, will you ever be without his reach?
1: I love that. Another thing that's, you know, really related. I remember I was taking a class at BYU. I don't know if they offer anymore, but it was from Mark Butler who's in the school of family life and is awesome. And has done a lot of work with um, pornography use. I remember one of the things he said is like, the teenage brain. I mean, if you think about teenage brains, right? And I have asked, like, why did God give teenagers such incredible physical capacity, with you know, especially with their sexuality, and also pair it with the very underdeveloped brain? <laughs> and, and and that's not just you know that that's not that's not a diss on teenagers. It's a stage that we all went through. Yeah. No but i remember mark uh, butler dr butler talking about the teenage brain was made so that we could understand the atonement of jesus christ and that like i mean and i would i would even you know extend that to say like all of our brains all of our humanity (laughs) was made but i think especially you know for a lot of teenagers who feel like oh i just keep on making mistakes over and over and over and over and and i'm impulsive and i you know um that I remember feeling really touched by by his teachings. But but I think as we're orienting ourselves and our sexuality toward this goal of, of soulful connection, of creating something beautiful with our partner, I think that that's where we're going to find the most joy. I think another place where we could have some room for improvement is, you know, I think that there's a lot of issues, trouble that arises when we talk about sex as a need. I don't think anyone ever has like found a lot of joy and soulful connection when they're checking a box or scratching an itch. And when we talk about sex as a need for most couples, that's kind of what it becomes. And normally it becomes um, a woman taking care of a need for a man. So not fun for the woman because who likes chores (laughs) and not fun for a man because what man likes to feel that connecting with him sexually is a chore. And so I think we get into a lot of a lot of dysfunction again when we talk about sex as a need, I think it's much more enlivening and enriching when we talk about sex as a place that we go to to celebrate our connection, a place that we go together for replenishment, for encouragement, for fun, for connection. I think that, you know, how we talk about it really matters and and what we use it for also really matters.
0: Yeah, beautifully said. And and I think that echoes and maybe gives a little bit of insight for like anyone who's like, Wait, how does the law of chastity apply after marriage? I think you just nailed it. Like it's really the law of chastity can help guide and and help you understand that it's it's so much more than just yeah, scratching that itch or checking the box or like, oh, we did it this many times this month. No, like it's yeah. it's really about helping you to connect and to just deepen and have that soulful, beautiful experience. And I, I think it's so beautiful because that's really what God wants for us. He wants us to feel that deep connection with each other and with him. And I know that that can, them. I I want to include Heavenly Mother in that, like that can feel really distant at times because they're not here. And, but We are all so connected. We are all of us as a human race. That's why when you hear hard things in the news, they, they often hurt really bad. And I feel like there's been a lot of that lately. I mean, and you feel a lot of pain for people that you don't even know on the other side of the earth, because we, it's a part of our human experience is to be able to like love and and be with each other, to mourn with those that mourn, to comfort those that stand in need and comfort, and to have this deep, soulful, rich, beautiful connection with your spouse. All of that is part of this beautiful human human experience. and and I hope as we move forward and teach the next generation, I hope that we can teach them about their sexuality with a lot more Jesus a lot more grace a lot more mercy and a lot more joy in yeah. this is what your your body your your experience I'm so excited that your period's here I'm so excited that you're figuring out how your how your penis works and all of that like I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. for you like I hope it can be shame free and full of joy you know yeah. a really joyful for for the next generation so that they can know that they are perfect just as they are and god will help them every step of the way Mm -hmm. bonnie do you have anything else you want to share or no i just feel like you dropped like this beautiful this
1: beautiful ending to this conversation i think you tied everything together so so wonderfully and just want to echo what you said i absolutely agree
0: Bonnie, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for our friendship over the years. I know we don't like hang out all the time, but every time I see you, I'm just so grateful that we met all those years ago talking about pornography and dating. I've been my This has
1: been lovely. This has been a lovely conversation. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Break the silence and help us create a culture of courage and compassion by sharing what you learned today with someone you love. Help us reach more people by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or liking and leaving a comment on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue and educate on these tough issues and to create a healthier culture of sexuality. The opinions and views shared by the host or guests do not constitute as professional advice or services and do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10. We do not guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard in this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture. Keep breaking the silence.